Welcome to Day Zero Update for July 30th, 2023. I'm your host, Chris Logi. I'm Brandon Parkins. And I'm Jenner Victoria. And yeah, we've got a, a fairly big week this week of news. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing really huge here, but uh, a lot of interesting stuff coming out in the near future. Yeah, especially this week, uh, because uh, the very much anticipated Bowder's Gate 3 comes out on PC tomorrow. Well, no, not tomorrow. Uh, Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Yeah, so we'll be hearing more about the bear sex, because that's all that anybody's been talking about. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, um, so, yeah, I assume that's going to be a, a pretty big launch for them. Oh, yeah. And honestly, if, as far as, like, developers go, they really couldn't have picked a better one to continue that series. Um, yeah. Because I've played both of the Divinity Original Sin games, and those games basically brought the whole, you know, isometric computer RPG genre back into prominence because of just how damn good both of those games are. Um, yeah. And, I, and, yeah, so, honestly, them being the ones to pick it up, it just makes sense. And I and for those who don't know, the game actually comes out on PS5, uh, I think it's early September, right around the yeah. same time, right around the same time period. Um, so, yeah. The yeah. 6th, I think. Yeah. September so, 6th. So I will yeah. be playing it as soon as I can get my hands on it. I unfortunately can't play it on my, com- on my computer because my laptop would explode. But yeah. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's a thing, though. We obviously don't have a, a, you know, any version of that, so we can't talk about it. But uh, that'll be interesting to see oh, what yeah. people do with that game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for what we got to talk about this week, we got some new stuff for each of the subscription services out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got some games coming out here in the near future. Uh, some Final Fantasy fourteen news finally happening for Xbox. Uh, and, you know, we got some stuff from the Sony's China Hero Project showcase where they had uh, a number of games get announced and uh, mm-hmm. some shown off that'll be out uh, in the next few years. Yeah. Nothing really too soon. One with a, a year that I don't think should be spoken aloud mm-hmm. uh, in 2023. But, uh, yeah, before we get to that, we'll talk about what we've been playing it, and I will... Start here. I've uh, been playing a good bit of Pikmin 4 mm-hmm. on the Switch. Um, liking it a lot. It's, it looks pretty nice. It's not, it's like one of the only Nintendo games that tries to be realistic in its visual style. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where the Switch falls short compared to you know things I've been playing on PS5 and Xbox Series X and S mm-hmm. and PC stuff over the last few years. That this just kind of doesn't match up to that, but it still looks super nice in its own right. Mm-hmm. Uh, though for those visuals, you get long load times. Yep. Uh, it's like 25 seconds per load time. Uh, so loading out of a out of a map when you finish it, mm-hmm. uh, loading into it, uh, that's a, a fairly lengthy uh, loads. You know, mm-hmm. loading time. They do put like tips on there, but also it's not. Anything really interesting that they put mm-hmm. on there, um, but yeah, it's it's a game I have. I would say it feels like a sequel to Pikmin Two in a lot of ways. Um, I don't have a ton of experience with Three, much less any current access to it because it's one of those 
games that was installed on my internal hard drive of my Wii U that is no longer accessible until maybe I get some some hardware that people have uh, figured out how to fix that kind of issue on the Wii U. Uh, and I've never gotten the, the Switch version either, so I can't speak to how those improvements compare to 3, but uh, 2, a lot of its focus was on not having a time crunch to it like Pikmin 1, where you had 30 days to collect all the, the crap uh, in each of the maps to... Uh, you know, get out of the out of the off the planet's surface uh, to safely to safety. Um, uh, but in Pikmin Two, it's all about capitalism. Like, oh, we can make money off of this treasure uh, that we can find here, and so you're kind of just able to collect stuff at your pace as far as how many mm-hmm. days you need to spend on that. But uh, outside of that, you still have the the day night cycle stuff. Uh, there's supposed to be more night stuff in this. I've not hit that yet, uh, mm-hmm. so I still got a ways to go on that stuff. And the they have a good gameplay guide that can help explain uh, mechanics and features and controls and that stuff. Uh, though mm-hmm. they do not gate anything uh, that can happen later on in the game. So uh, story wise, Olimar is on this planet, uh, gets stranded, and the the very beginning of the game, you're controlling him. And his little dog creature, I forget what it's called, um, but the he goes and takes on a boss to get his last item and then uh, puts it on a ship and seems to you know, fly off to escape and then some problem happens and he gets stranded again on the same planet. So they send a rescue force to go rescue him and then they get stranded. So uh, then you're uh, the little goober they send in to rescue the rescue people. Uh, then rescue Olimar ultimately. Uh, I believe whenever you do get to Olimar, that's where the game throws up credits, I think, from what I've seen people say. But there's still stuff to do after that. Uh, maybe open up stuff after that. So, yeah, it's it's a game with kind of a more fluid progression system to it, uh, especially as you start. It gives you, like, missions you can uh, focus on, though it's not... They're not like quest missions, more like uh, the one I, f- I tend to follow is the one that you need for opening up new maps uh, where you are collecting these treasures that contain sparklium. Uh, so they sparkle when you see them. Uh, as you collect certain amounts, uh, meet certain milestones, essentially it open up, opens up a new map. Uh, but the other ones are like, find Olimar and find you know the other rescue members. Uh, but as you're doing that, uh, it has the the underground stuff that Pikmin 2 had, and they range from like simple like one one level things to go through, and that's where you can find these offshoot Pikmin. Like I've seen flying ones and ice ones so far. I assume there's plenty more others, um, but that's where you find that stuff. And then you go into and that's. And instead of the the way that those are done in Pikmin 2, where they're typically you come out the the, the entrance uh, at the end, uh, here they're kind of a, a means for getting across the map uh, to places that you would otherwise be unable to get to. Uh, so they're kind of necessary for that kind of stuff. Uh, but you also find other tunnels that are guarded by these weird leafling creatures, which are uh, sort of people that look like your 
uh, tiny humanoid race of people, but uh, they don't need the helmets, because uh, if you don't know, uh, these people can't breathe oxygen, so uh, that's why they always have their helmets on. And the leaflings can, because they've been assimilated into having, like, leaf stuff all over them. Like, it's kind of furry leaf stuff. I don't know how to describe mm-hmm. it. Um, I've been see me, seeing memes of, like, a, a, you know, a red leaf kind of covered person, Olimar kind of thing. I don't know. But mm-hmm. uh, it's it's uh, a whole thing where uh, that is where they do a lot of Dandori battles stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which Dandori in the game is described as a term for essentially working as efficiently as possible. Mm. Uh, you know, typically the way that you want to play Pikmin games, uh, sort of divide and conquer your groups, uh, send your Pikmin out to do stuff, and then find other things to do, mm. kind of work more efficiently. And these end in either battles uh, against another character. It's not like a combat battle, more just who can collect the most shit in you know a certain amount of time kind of stuff. And uh, the closest thing you get to combat is if you're grabbing stuff, the the enemy can send their own Pikmin to grab the same item, and if they have more than you do, they are going to pull it back to their place kind of thing. But they can also send Pikmin to attack your character, uh, that kind of thing. It's it's a bit weird, but the first one you get probably will be fairly tough. Uh, I don't know what's... It doesn't really seem to uh, explain too much how the... the Difficulty stuff works. It does have like a rating, but I went to the another one that had a two two star rating to it. Uh, I think one star was the first one I did. It was just not understanding it super well from the first one, but uh, I beat them like 150 to 12 or something like that, some ridiculous number. Um, so there's those. There are also uh, just timed challenges where. Like, I want to see your Dendori, and you get a time limit to hit certain amounts for, like, a, uh, you know, metals, essentially, like bronze, silver, gold, and platinum, uh, which I got platinum the first time on the, the first one of those I see. So those are things that are out there, and I think it has a separate multiplayer mode. I guess you can play with another person if you want. I don't I don't really think those are all that interesting, and that kind of that that's... Uh, Kind of a weak point of the game because uh, I've seen people talking about certain ones that are incredibly hard. I don't know if that's just uh, a matter of how you play these games or whatever, but uh, I have not had too much of a challenge yet on those. But I, they're also the things that I do absolutely last compared to everything else I have to do. Uh, I'd rather go through the other the other tunnels to do the regular stuff. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, there's a lot going on in this game, and yeah, it's it's got a very complicated control system. Uh, it takes a lot of the basic stuff you have from the other Pikmin games and just layers on more and more to it. Now you have a dog named Ochi that you can ride on, uh, but you can also get um, stuff to do with him as just another unit if you're not riding with him. Uh, I have like a horn where I can send Ochi and my Pikmin charging in a certain direction. Uh, and it's like uh, he has his own like upgrade tree, which as you do stuff with him, you get like points that you go to spend with one of the uh, 
one of the rescue crew that manages that stuff. Uh, same with the materials you get, which are kind of these, they kind of look like uh, charcoal uh, coals, uh, but they mm-hmm. are like diamonds, made out of diamonds like that. Uh, but they can be turned into clay that you can use to get across bridges and gaps and stuff like that on upgrades in uh, the base area you go back to between missions. Uh, and you can also spend them on like uh, limited use items uh, as well, like bombs and health things and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so there's there's a lot going on here. Uh, so hmm. that's a a lot of that stuff that's going on. There's you know plenty of shortcuts. It feels like the maps are pretty huge for this game. So mm-hmm. like the first map, uh, I'm at like 98 percent because there's literally a place that I need to upgrade my ability to hold Pikmin up to yeah. 50. Right now I'm at 40. Because uh, I need to get across this water that requires 30 of the ice Pikmin to freeze it. And then um, I need 20 to grab an onion that has blue Pikmin in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't do that without having you know 50 total. Because if you move the ice Pikmin out of the, the spot where they're freezing the ice, it'll start melting like five seconds later. Mm-hmm. Gives you enough time to get out of the way from that stuff, but that's literally like the last thing I have to do in that map. So uh, the thing you find out in the tunnels is that there are more castaways, more people uh, that have been stranded here, uh, mm-hmm. and they add to they add to your base is like more things to do. Usually, like challenges of sorts. Like, hey, this one wants you to you know make more Pikmin, so you're encouraged to keep. Bringing in, you know, more of the uh, the little pellets that have numbers on them to yeah. make more Pikmin. Uh, one that's uh, into flowers, so he wants you to have your Pikmin eating sap to uh, grow, you know, the the flower buds on their heads. Yeah, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, there's one that's really interested in antiquities and treasures, so he wants you to, you know, uh, appraise all that stuff, which you don't really have to do it specifically. It's just Keeps track of how many treasures you have, and as you hit milestones, you get more of those materials back uh, for that. And yeah, every person you find adds to your uh, uh, base for things to do. So that kind of just feeds back into your ability to get these upgraded uh, abilities and suits and such. Uh, you know, I have gears that uh, are gear that gives me like the the treasure. Uh, thing that tells you how close you are to treasure, uh, which was just a basic UI upgrade they added in Pikmin 2 and 1 at a certain Mm. point. Um, But here, it's like a special upgrade kind of thing, but you also get ones that let you pull in people that are, or Pikmin that are sitting idle somewhere or to get you a counter of how many Pikmin are sitting idle, Mm. uh, as well as upgraded suits so that Ochi or your character can you know, run into fire areas without getting damaged or singed or whatever, you know, electricity and water and ice and that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Deal with all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot going on here. I think the controls are mostly okay if you're uh, playing it like, you know, picking one or two, but gauging with all the mechanics they have here, it's it's easy to fumble around and either forget things existed because you're relying on the basics or 
uh, fumbling around and fucking things up like I had the most frustrating boss fight. There were two. There was one that's uh, one that I think was in either one or two. It's the uh, the big ball that has big giant legs sprouting out of it, uh, kind of spider-like that stomps on Pikmin and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but here it has spray that will literally just confuse the Pikmin that are hanging out under it uh, so that you lose control of them and it can potentially stomp on them. Uh, I lost a bunch of Pikmin in that fight. Um, I eventually got it through, but uh, lost a bunch there. And uh, the other one was a a boss bosses monster that uh, would has a big shell on it, so you can't attack it from the front or the sides. Uh, you have to go t- behind it to where it has sort of a fuzzy underside of its tail, and you can throw like 15 Pikmin on it to pull it down and then reveal the like juicy uh, ball on the end of it that is super sensitive, and that's where you do all your damage to it. But uh, your Pikmin are really stupid in this game. Uh, so they oftentimes, you know, fall off and just start attacking in random other places on the on the, the creature, and then if I don't get them pulled back uh, fast enough, they will just get eaten up by this boss uh, really easily, and the controls for calling them back is uh, frustratingly complex, because it's, you can't just sit there and hold down the like, tap the B button to uh, tell them, like, hey, come to me. You have to hold it down until the, the column of the, the whole thing uh, fills up to the sky, and that's when they listen to you because uh, otherwise if they're engaged with doing something, which helps when they're carrying stuff so that you can pull the, the Pikmin that aren't doing anything and not bother the, the, the ones that are carrying stuff, uh, interrupting them, that kind of stuff that it's useful for. But if they are doing something that you don't want them to attacking enemies or doing whatever, uh, you have to like hold down the B button for like three or four seconds before they listen to you. It gets really frustrating at times. Uh, especially in hectic situations like boss fights, that becomes a big issue. And the it does have lock on now, sort of at a base level for the aiming stuff. But uh, it's easily frustrated if, or uh, easily flustered if there are multiple things happening in a close proximity. So some simple things where I'm trying to throw them on a flower to get a pellet to grow some more Pikmin, if a butterfly or something's flying around, it'll freak out and start going the other way. You know, aiming at the butterfly and I'm throwing Pikmin and I've thrown Pikmin into water to die because of that kind of stuff where it's not sure what to focus on. There is a lock-on you can do. I think it's right trigger. But if you lock onto the wrong thing, I don't know that you can easily, like, switch it when it's focusing on. Uh, I might have to look at the controls for that but that's what i was trying to do with the the boss's tail to throw any uh, throw pikmin on them uh but even if they're not super if you're not close enough you can have issues just getting it to there at times so it's a lot of like control and situational stuff that compounds into a very kind of frustrating experience at times so as much as i'm enjoying it there are definitely parts of the game where i'm uh super annoyed by it's uh, it's over complexity and they have shortcuts that they let you customize for certain things, but they kind of frame it as like, oh, you can 
you can you know put anything on the the D-pad and L3 button uh, to map onto there, but it's all largely uh, the the one-time use items that you can map to that or uh, pause menu stuff for the different things you get on your your tablet, the different sections there, which are not really all that useful in you know in the actual maps unless you're looking up specific information, but uh, it's all that kind of stuff where uh, there's also, if you hold the Y button down, there's like multiple options there for like, you can switch to controlling Ochi so that you can have him do things because uh, there are some points where you send him a tunnel to his own area and that's kind of where you have to go to do certain things uh, with just him. But uh, there's that. That's where you can uh, sort of tell uh, the Pikmin to, you know, hang back uh, and that kind of stuff. But that even has like two levels to it where you do it once and it splits up one of the groups away from what you're controlling and you have to do it again to split the others out kind of thing. But you can map those separately to things on the D-pad. So that's at least something useful there. But uh, the amount of times I've had to really do that kind of stuff has not been that common. So, yeah, it's it's a game that's really good and really has some good quality of life stuff to it, but also has a lot of stuff to it where their lack of accessibility options and things like that's kind of hampered a bit. Uh, they just kind of put way too much on the controls and have uh, a lot of these buttons doing multiple things depending on situations and whatnot. So yeah, it kind of just creates a, a weird experience that is fun a lot of time, but it's also a lot of times very frustrating. So yeah, I'll probably keep playing some more of it, but I put about like eight, nine hours into it so far. And uh, I definitely kind of want to go back to Pikmin 1 and 2 where things are a little less complicated to it. But yeah, still going to keep playing this for now. But uh, yeah, that's Pikmin 4 out now on the Switch. So you can check that out. Uh, for other games I've been playing, there's Pixel Junk Scrappers Deluxe. This was an Apple Arcade game on uh, iOS for a while there, and now has finally come to uh, PS5, Switch, and PC for people to check out. Uh, this is a beat-em-up, uh, but with the twist of you are a robot, garbage, you know, garbage-collecting robot. Mm -hmm. uh, so as you're going around fighting dudes, there's trash laying on the sides of uh, the streets that you're going on yeah. and you are tasked with collecting as much trash as you can uh, while that's going on. You have a robot buddy that's also grabbing some trash. Uh, we'll grab like three items and they stack up and we'll just toss them to you so you can like add to your own stack or, uh, you know, add to it to throw at the, at the truck. You can kind of run it over to the back of the truck or throw it to the truck, uh, whatever works for you. But you can also, Throw it at enemies, and it'll take a little bit of damage. Not too much, but uh, along the way, you're running into a variety of different robots that are going to fight back uh, and that kind of stuff. And, yeah, it's pretty fun. It's definitely very challenging. Uh, there are no lives, but uh, you do lose some of the, the money that you would be gaining by collecting all this trash every time you die to respawn. And I guess it escalates a little bit, so it's like 50 bucks at the start, and like 60, 70, you know, all that, all the way up to whatever you need. Um, for each stage, there's three 
challenges it gives you that you know it asks you to do. It'd be simple things like uh, collecting, you know, a bunch of uh, uh, certain kinds of trash, uh, things that you can find, or beating up enemies with certain kinds of weapons, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, it's it's uh, challenging stuff to go. Uh, this is one of those games that gates your progression based on you completing these challenges. Uh, and each stage also has a score challenge uh, for how much you know cash you're gaining from the trash you're collecting. Um, so uh, it's pretty aggressive where you probably have to get like two-thirds to maybe three-quarters of uh, the challenges done in each area to move on to the next one. So you're going to have to replay stuff a bit. Um, but yeah, this is a, a game you can play solo or with uh, friends or potentially even other people online. Uh, it has a, 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 a like a code it gives you for potentially asking people online to play with you. But it also seems to have matchmaking in some way. I was not able to get anybody to join through the matchmaking, so I wasn't sure if I was understanding it uh, correctly. It might might be just on the code stuff, which would be similar to what they did with the uh, uh, the I forget the the survival game they made uh, mm-hmm. a while back. But they had a similar system. But I think you can also have people just be allowed to join you, have it sort of an open session. Um, but it also has a special stage on each of the each of the maps that is sort of a multiplayer little mini game thing to do. Uh, the first one was kind of a basketball esque kind of mode, uh, that kind of stuff. But yeah, it has a nice style to it. the The money you're collecting, you can spend on new robots. Uh, you can buy new uh, cosmetics for your truck, your garbage truck, uh, to add some fun little flair to it. Uh, but you can also unlock weapons. So when you start a map, it'll ask you like, "What you know, what robot's going to do this?" And then you pick a weapon to go with to start with. Uh, so that every time you die, you respawn with that weapon. Um, the the one thing I don't like is that if you pick up a weapon and get killed pretty quickly, you, that weapon just disappears. It doesn't drop for you to pick up when you respawn. Mm. So I've had times where I was like, ooh, I want to try this weapon out, died, and then gone. Couldn't even try it. Uh, kind of thing that's like, oh, this is very kind of old school uh, kind of design, which is kind of the pixel junk thing of having that kind of stuff. But yeah, the game itself is looks really nice. has that similar kind of style to the things they've done in the past with uh, pixel junk shooter and uh, monsters and all that kind of stuff. has a really nice style to it. Uh, nice soundtrack and all that. So that's uh, twenty five bucks. Um, PS five, Switch, PC. Uh, pretty good game. Definitely want to play some more of that. Um, but that's been uh, a lot of fun. And uh, Diablo four. Been playing more of that. I finished Act two. Beat up a, a boss there. Uh, story stuff going on. Now I'm going to start Act three uh, fairly soon. I just have to get over there. It's in a part of the map I have not been in because there's not been anything over there. Um, but Act 2 went very fast after Act 1 was uh, killing me inside for how long it was taken. Uh, I was like level 33, I think, when I finished Act 1, and now I'm level 39 starting Act 3, so the Act 2 was not very uh, long in the way it was going, so that's nice. Uh, and the other game I played is Remedium Sentinels. 
uh, one of the Vampire Survivors clones I talked about last week. Uh, I got the Platinum for that. It's not a complicated Platinum. A lot of just unlocking all the characters, all the maps, um, and doing a doing some of the special stuff that are on a couple of the maps, but nothing really too complicated to it. So that's one that took me like seven or eight hours to get uh, with maybe a few lucky breaks, but I think it's a, a 10 hour or less platinum there for the, the four or five bucks it costs. So that one's worth checking out if you're wanting one of those games that isn't full on, you know, in deep on the meta stuff that uh, like vampire survivors and some of their, some of the bigger uh, juggernauts of that genre are, but uh, yeah, that's been pretty much it for me. So, Brandon, how have you been doing? What have you been playing? Well, uh, primarily over the last few years, I took advantage of my uh, PS Plus subscription, and I started playing Inscription. Uh, Inscription is it's a game that came out a couple years ago, I think in 2021, I think. Uh, it's an indie game. Um, it's essentially, or at least it starts off as a sort of roguelike de- uh, deck builder type game where you're trapped in this can, this cabin with uh, a shadowy figure who basically works as the game master. And um, he's basically forcing you to play this game where you are basically walking through these various sort of wilderness type areas on a map. Um, and you are sort of slowly building a deck of cards that you use to battle against them. Um, and the way it works is that basically every card that can be used to, like, uh, that's, it's like a legit card that can be used for stuff requires sacrifice. So you basically have one stack of cards that's just all these cards, and then you got another stack of cards, which is made up of nothing but squirrel cards. And the squirrel cars are the ones that you are primarily the ones you use to, you know, make sacrifice. So you can use these other cards, although you can also sacrifice those other cards as well. And certain cards, you know, they require like maybe one or two or three. There's one that's even four. Um, but, and, uh, you know, all these cards, they have like various different abilities. You know, they've all got like their different attack powers and different attack patterns. Some of them will, like, attack twice or attack in two different or even three different directions. Um, Some of them can reach across from, like, over the top of, like, a card that's in front of them and hit the actual character, you know, the character that you're playing against. Um, And all the damage is basically tallied by using, like, weights and scales. Um, And each one is, like... ticks, you know, from five on one side and five on the other side, and if you manage to do, you know, five damage at once or more, then, yeah, that's basically it for the opposition. It's the same for you. Um, But at the same time, the game also has this sort of, like, escape room puzzle type thing where you can get up off from the game table and you can sort of walk around the cabin, and as you walk around the cabin, you'll find things like safes and a cuckoo clock and um you know various puzzles that you can use and if you solve these puzzles you'll find things like other cards that you can use uh specifically cards that are like apparently sentient they actually like communicate to to you um and um you'll also encounter things like uh 
a knife, for example. Um, one of the um, in the in the game, the way that they tally up damage is they use teeth, which are used as weights on the scale. Um, but some of the items you can get include a pair of pliers, which you can use to actually wrench out one of your teeth and use it to tip the scale in your favor. The knife, on the other hand, actually has you carve out one of your own eyes, and that will actually like massively tip the scale in your favor, if not automatically win, the game, win that particular match for you. Um, and uh, as you're going through, like, the various maps, you'll come across, you know, you've got battles, of course, but you've also got things like uh, points where, you know, places where you can get new cards, um, areas where you can sacrifice one card to gain its ability for another card, or places where you can strengthen the cards, um, places where you can, like, go and get rid of one card and get, like, a stronger card or, like, a bunch of useful items in its in in its place um stuff like that and what happens is that that's that's basically like act one of the game after you finish that part of the game the game completely turns over and it suddenly turns into like a top-down sort of jrpg like 16-bit type thing and reveals more about you know the game and the game world itself um that first roguelike part is extremely popular with people. Not so much the other parts, at least you know, until you get to Act 3, where they sort of bring that part of the game back. But it's definitely extremely addictive. And um, the whole card aspect is definitely a huge draw. Um, definitely recommend it. It's a lot. Of, it's very fun. And don't, like, try to brute force your way through it. This is one of those things where you have to play multi a, a couple of different times and, you know, lose a couple of different times before you can become strong enough to actually, you know, finish the first act. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, definitely recommend it. And of course, I'm also still playing Octopath Traveler 2. I've managed to get through the uh, third acts of a bunch of the characters. Um, and this is definitely like the part in the game where you really to like start doing some grinding because by this point a lot of the enemies and especially the bosses are very strong and can take you out in just one or two hits um but the good news is this is also the part in the game where you start getting more access to the job system where you'll come across these various guilds or whatever made up of people like you know apothecary apothecaries or inventors or swords people or whatever and they'll let you in, and you'll suddenly be able to, you know, take whatever character in your party and make them into a, you know, you can make them into, give, you can give them the apothecary job or the inventor job, which not only means they've got access to more weapons, it also means they're stronger and that they uh, have additional abilities that they can use. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, that's basically what I've been playing. So, Dan Rab, what about you? Yeah, um, I was not on the show last week because I was just coming back from the San Diego Comic-Con. And over there, they had the first playable demos for uh, both Sandland and Tekken 8, um, neither of which have um, uh, release dates yet. But so far, like out of the um, demos that I've played, like um, yeah, I'm uh, really looking forward to both these games. Uh, first off, Sandland is uh, an Akira Toriyama joint. Um, this was a manga 
mean, like I think in the two thousands, you know, so some some somewhere around that. It was like right around two thousand, yeah. Yeah. So um, um, the the anime adaptation will be coming out sometime this year. There was mm-hmm. actually a screening uh, at Comic Con for it, but unfortunately, I wasn't able to see it. So. Yeah, as far as what, what it's about, you know, and I never read it, so I don't really have much of a uh, foreground there. But the demo started off um, with us being chased around by a big dinosaur, and you have to race around in a Jeep uh, coming towards the screen to avoid it. And then after that, it opens up into more of its, like, um, action RPG routes. Um, you know, you're in the desert, and you have to make your way from point A to point B. So, um, yeah, it, it just 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 the graphics reminded me a lot of Dragon Quest because you know it's 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 Toriyama and uh, very similar in that regard. Um, so I was in my Jeep, I was able to traverse a little bit, and then I eventually thought, hey, let's go ahead and get out of the Jeep and just fight some enemies. And um, yeah, so far it's it, it's going to be it's going to be an action based battle system. Um, you know, your your typical melee strikes are done with square. You can jump and just uh, add all sorts of combos to it, and, and it, it all felt really good. And then um, I fought like this big ass raptor that um, was totally killing me, and then the guy guiding me in the demo said that, "Oh, you actually just passed by this um, tank that uh, I could have stolen." So I backtracked, uh, killed the enemies around the tank, stole it, and then yeah, it made me like a whole lot buffer. You can just go ahead and shoot people, uh, shoot uh, the dinosaurs with it. Uh, you have these grenade launchers that you can use to like kill the bigger enemies, and that was cool. And then when you get to the end of the end of the demo or the the point that you're, you're supposed to get at, um, you end up being attacked by bandits, and um, I one shotted them because you actually have access to a special attack uh, that pretty much just kills everybody on the screen. So yeah, um, that was a lot of fun. Looking forward to that one. Um, Tekken Eight. Um, not really much to say here. If you play Tekken, like there's there's a lot of stuff that you've you've played through before. Um, there were about, uh, I think, uh, eight characters in there. You know, we had Nina, we had Lars, Jane, King, Law, a um, whole bunch of others. And I got a chance to use them all. Um, I went six and two in my attempts. Not that I'm good or anything, but, like, you know, if, if, if there was a fighting game that I would say that I'm okay at, it would be Tekken. So um, it was cool getting to um, try, these, try, these, try these guys out. Um, the, the button layout is what you'd expect. It's your typical four-button layout with the uh, top, top buttons being punches. Uh, bottom ones being kicks, and then you can use R2 to unleash your rage art, um, which are you know pretty much the ultra moves that you have. And um, yeah, they, they 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 were pretty interesting. Um, it's it's it, it's kind of be it's just, it's trying to be like Street Fighter Six in regards to sort of having a more uh, casual way to do things. And um, the rage system works in such a way where as you get less and less health, your character becomes um, more and more powerful. So there are opportunities for huge comebacks. And that's definitely going to be a big thing with Tekken 8 uh, when it comes out. Um, I know that the developers are trying to make um, players even more aggressive uh, this time around. Whereas, you know, when you're when you're playing games like uh, Street Fighter 6 or like anything like that, like a lot of it is technical and, and defense. And, you know, while defense matters, like at the end of the day, as long as you're aggressive, um, you should be able to see some success early. So, yeah, uh, Tekken 8 is really shaping up really well so far. And I'm looking forward to that when it eventually comes out. Um, as for what I've actually been playing myself, um, yeah, you know, I, I just got back from that trip and I've had a lot of work to do. And then when I last talked on the podcast, I, my carpet was being replaced by hardwood floors. So that's pretty much done. And I pretty much redesigned my room here. Um, but I haven't really had much of a chance to, uh, boot up my PS5. So I've been playing primarily switch stuff. And the big thing that I've played, I actually started yesterday was, um, 
Disney's Illusion Island. Um, this one is a cooperative uh, Metroidvania. Yeah, the the art style is very reminiscent of classic Disney uh, because they, they they use like the black and white, dotty eyed you know Mickey and Minnie. Uh, you, you can use Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy, um, and um, I, I've, I've switched between the characters. They don't really seem to have much. They, I don't think there's a difference between them. If you were to like hold right with both of them at the same time, they will all run right at the same speed. I don't think any character jumps jumps farther than the other. So if you're expecting it to be like Mario, Luigi, Peach, and um, Toad from like Mario 2, uh, don't expect that because they're, they're, they're all pretty much the same. And um, yeah, like this pretty much plays like a really good uh, baby's first Metroidvania. Um, the main difference being is um, if you're at an area where you can't, you know, get to anything, it'll it'll just tell you. You know, there's um, there's no guessing uh, about whether or not you could go there, but there are secrets. So you know, if you wanted to, like, you know, just continue walking towards walls, you know, sometimes they'll open up and find some uh, secrets there. Um, not everything is like beneficial to the game. A lot of it is just like uh, nuancey stuff, like. Um, trading cards and other things to show the history of Disney because, you know, obviously these characters have been around since the 30s, so you know, there's lots to show there. Um, but yeah, I've been primarily playing this game with my brother. Uh, I think I have about two hours in, and uh, it's really enjoyable so far. Um, a lot of the um, actions you, you, you have at your disposal include a double jump, so you earn that. Uh, there's also a wall jump that, I, that we got. Um, the main thing so far, though, is that there's no way to there's no there's no way to attack. So as far as enemies go, like you just have to avoid them. Um, I'm pretty sure like we'll, we'll find an attack sometime later, but that hasn't been the case yet. So yeah, I'm really having fun with that one. And um, the last game I'm playing, uh, I've been playing it on PS5 Remote Play, and the game is Benba. Um, so yeah, I, I think this game so comes out uh, sometime this week. Um, and Benba is an indie game. Uh, made by a bunch of uh, developers in India, and you pretty much play um, uh, an immigrant mother who moves from India to um, Canada with her husband uh, just to as a way to refresh their lives. And um, along the way, um, you pretty much just see the struggles of how an immigrant family uh, deals with, like you know, living in a new spot. Uh, for example, the husband has a uh, physics degree but he's just trying to work like regular packing jobs. Whereas uh, Venba, the titular character, elementary school teacher, uh, but she's been struggling to um, find, you know, um, her niche with teaching in, in Canada. Um, and yeah, along the way you have a kid and then, you know, um, they were um, thinking about going back home, but now that the, now that the, the kid's here, uh, they obviously want to raise him. And the, the main gameplay loop with Venba is cooking. So, uh, you know, me being a Filipino American, um, I, I resonate a lot with the uh, story here because a lot of times the love language that parents express with their children is through food. And with Venba, like they don't really uh, hold any punches here. Everything you're cooking is going to be based on uh, Southern Indian cuisine. And um, the, the gameplay thing here is that there's a right way to cook everything. So, for example, the, the first dish... Um, is sort of like a, a breakfast pastry uh, kind of thing. And you have to um, get the dough and uh, combine it with, or uh, blend it with water and then make sure that you put a towel over this funnel to uh, uh, to, to put it on before you actually um, start boiling it. That way it doesn't really 
uh, get nasty in the water. And then, yeah, um, it's easy to mess up because um, since you're making a few batches in one pot, you have to make sure that the steam goes through in such a way where it doesn't actually interfere with the process of uh, hardening any of your dough. Um, and yeah, just um, seeing you or like making mistakes is actually like the best way to learn um, how to do things properly. Um, and yeah, just, just just a trial and error is 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 is, is uh, a solid way to move you forward. Um, there is a hint system, and the hint system doesn't really like give things away, but it definitely um, does guide you towards the right direction in regards to cooking properly. Um, the game can be finished in pretty much an hour, uh, two hours, definitely less than that. And um, yeah, the the story to me was captivating enough. And while some of the recipes got a little more complicated for me um there there are like trophies involved where you know if you cook it perfectly the first time and things like that and then after you beat the game you have access to pretty much any chapter you want so you can go ahead and clean up the trophies so i actually did platinum the game today so um it's really fun um but yeah look out for the review uh, it's gonna be up on smash pad soon and uh that's pretty much it all right so yeah let's get to some news about your subscription services uh, we have PlayStation Plus and what might be the final Games with Gold. I don't know if they have announced that that uh, is going to be the final one yeah. uh, for that, but because the, the new service, Game Pass Core, doesn't start until the 14th in September. So I don't know if they might do like one last thing or not. But uh, yeah, for PlayStation Plus, they have three new titles here. Uh, all good ones here, from what I can tell. Uh, for PS5 and PS4, PGA Tour 2K23, uh, which is the uh, the latest one in that series. Uh, features Tiger Woods uh, and other pros that you can play as mm-hmm. in that game for the first time before you just created your own character and sort of did stuff in it. So mm. that's cool for that. Mm. Uh, let's see. for This is just for PS4 uh, Dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Media Molecule sort of little creation game that yeah. uh, they've announced as part of the, the big update happening here on the 1st on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, they'll be adding a new uh, Media Molecule game in there, Tren, that is sort of a, a little action-adventure game, I believe it is. Uh, yeah. So that's a cool little thing. Yeah, I know. I think not quite in the same vein as... Uh... You know the game that you know came with it, but you know it's still medium molecule, so it'll be good. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be nice. They put a, a handful of games in there for people to check out. Yeah. Uh, made by them. Yeah, and they also have like uh, all the games that were included the first time around that were fan made. So those will yeah. also be there. Um, there a really good, like I remember there was a really good like Marble Madness clone in there. Um. Yeah. Yeah, so that's worth checking out if you have not done so before. And maybe the best game here of the bunch is for the PS5 and PS4, Death's Door. Uh, This is a really good little Souls like, indie Souls like, um, where you are playing a crow who is sort of part of the uh, the network of uh, crows that harvest souls. Mm hmm. Um, but one manages to get away from your character uh, and you cannot uh, move on until you chase them down. 
Uh, I believe you actually age in the process, so you have sort of a, a time limit of sorts. I don't think they push that into the gameplay uh, in any way, but uh, for the game itself, it's such a really good game. Great action, great uh, combat, great exploration, uh, and all that, and a lot of fun areas to explore. So that's what people should definitely check out if they have not done so before. Uh, and yeah, that's the that's the lineup for the month. Some good stuff there. People to check out. And uh, yeah, on the Xbox Game Pass uh, or Xbox Live Gold uh, side, uh, there is. Let's see for August first. So that these are both going up the same day. So I guess these must be the last ones before they switch over to Game Pass Core. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they say it ends on September first. So. You have all of August to get these games. Uh, first up, there's Blue Fire. Uh, let's see. It's a 3D platforming action game of sorts, so that's one you can check out. Uh, and the other one is Inertial Drift. Uh, this is sort of a 90s-style uh, arcade ga- racing game. Uh, so that's one you can check out as well. So... Yeah, seems like some some RA games, but yeah, indicative of the way Game pa- or uh, Xbox Live games with gold has been for the past uh, few years. Mm-hmm. Here, not really putting too much on there of real notes, uh, unless they were trying to double the price of gold with uh, the release of Gears Five on there, mm-hmm. uh, which they went back on when people were like, "Hey, wait a minute, we don't want to pay twice as much for this." Mm. So, yeah, there you go. Those uh, your last two games for Games with Gold. Those will go up on Tuesday uh, alongside mm. the PS Plus games. And sort of uh, alongside that, uh, Nintendo Switch Online you got two new games added to the Game Boy app. So for uh, all Nintendo Switch Online members can access this. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons games. Uh, they split these off into two uh, separate uh, games back in the day. I don't really know particularly why they're like slightly different games uh, in a sense. But yeah, these are made by Capcom, if you're wondering, uh, which is sort of a big departure for the series because everything had been made by Nintendo up to that point. But I guess they had the opportunity to get somebody else to make one of these games and Capcom, uh, you know, took the, the challenge on and did a very good job with these games. Mm-hmm. I forget what the other one they made. Uh, is that Minish Cap that's also them? Mm-hmm. Double check that. I believe it was. Uh, yeah, let's see here. Yeah, Oracle of Ages, Oracle of Seasons, A Link to the Past and Four Swords. They did that port for the GBA mm-hmm. uh, and the Minish Cap as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah, those are good games. Uh, taking a lot of style points from uh, uh, the other game that's on there. The I forget the, the other Game Boy game, um, Link's Awakening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you get a lot of more Zelda stuff on the on the Switch online app. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, they're they're excellent games. Um, I think they were initially uh, supposed to be three versions, one for each. Um, one for each uh, goddess of the Triforce, but yeah, it only ended up being two. And the cool thing about this um, 
about this game in particular is that you could join the adventures using a game link code. Um, I think it was also possible with a game link cable, but I don't know how Nintendo addressed it with this uh, uh, with this version. But I'd imagine the um, the the game code is still going to be a possible thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they mention when you beat one of them, you get a password that can be used in the other game, allowing you to carry over some things, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's as much as they say here for that. I don't know about link cable stuff, but yeah, at least got a password that you can do some extra stuff with. So there you go for that. Uh, those are available now, so you can check that out. Mm. Uh, well, let's get to some stuff coming out in the near future. Uh, this will be next week on August the 8th. Broforce is getting its Broforce Forever update uh, for all versions that are available. Uh, it's PS4, Switch, and PC. Uh, it'll also be releasing on the Xbox One and going on Xbox Game Pass. So if you do not have any of the other versions, though I think that game is probably on sale everywhere for pretty cheap at this point. Mm. Uh, it's a game that's been going on sale for a while for like two or three bucks. Mm-hmm. So that's worth checking out. It's just a side-scrolling you know, shooter where you're playing as these outlandish versions of many you know, uh, action movie heroes and uh, clones of game heroes and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with their names changed to be you know, bro-themed. Uh, so that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a very fun kind of silly game. So, uh, this new updates adds. Let's see, I think a bunch of new content. Yeah. And improved and expanded campaign, along with six new ultra patriotic bros for new democracy spreading challenge levels and the ultimate expression of military might. Bug fixes. Yeah. Uh, so they got a good sense of humor about this, but yeah, it seems like it's eighty percent off on Steam. Uh, so, yeah, you'll be able to check it out for cheap. So definitely worth checking out. So yeah. there you go for that. Uh, the next one here, uh, Devolver's next game, The Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood, will be releasing on the Switch and PC on August 16th. Uh, that's a narrative adventure game from uh, the people at Destruction Team or Deconstruct Team. Uh, they made uh, the Red Strings Club a few years ago. So this is the next thing where you play as uh, sort of a, a witch coven of sorts, um, using tarot cards to uh, do your divination and all that kind of stuff, branching story stuff as well. So uh, a lot of uh, interesting things there. So, yeah, that looks neat. And that'll be out on the 16th. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we got uh, coming out to August 29th, Sea of Stars. We knew that already. Uh, mm-hmm. But they finally announced when the demo was releasing on PlayStation, which is, uh, you know, where they made this announcement a few days ago. So you can check that out. And alongside that, they announced that it would also be on uh, the PlayStation Plus Extra Game Catalog at launch. Uh, the first of the games on uh, PlayStation Plus that has launched on the the game's launch date instead of when they do their monthly updates for extra and premium. 
mm. uh, which would have been probably like two weeks before this. Yeah, probably be about the 15th for that. Um, but instead, they're going to be uh, the first one launching on Game Pass and PlayStation Plus at the same time, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, a first and a cool thing. So you do not have to pick and choose if you have both platforms and services. But yeah, uh, a means for not having to pay up for it right now mm-hmm. if you don't want to. And yeah, this definitely... Uh, has brought up some controversial uh, topics involving the last game they made, The Messenger, uh, which, if you do not know, it has a character in it called Jordan the Wise, mm-hmm. who is themed after Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Uh, something that's a lot of people that played that game either didn't realize it, um, but that, you know, upon finding out, were kind of just very annoyed, and yeah. the the writer... Uh, very much was not hiding it yeah. Uh, in a way. And the weird thing is that they have not really spoken about this, whether that's mm. still a thing for this game, Sea of Stars, or spoken against that kind of thing. Um, because as far as I've seen, people have looked at like the, the Twitter account of the, the writer that you know, was mm. responsible for that stuff, and they are now like posting... Uh, some pro-trans stuff on their account. There seemed to be very pro-trans, which Jordan Peterson very much was not, and they made references to the the way he talked about gender stuff yeah. back then uh, in a way that's like, okay, if you guys do not support that stuff anymore, you, you can make a statement and you know calm down people's concerns about this stuff, but they've been very quiet mm-hmm. on it since then, not talking about it on any of the developers' Uh, you know, personal accounts, mm. as far as I know, in a weird way that's like throwing a bit of a cloud over this game's release where a lot of people that yeah. were excited to buy it, you know, that backed it on Kickstarter before finding this stuff out, mm-hmm. has very much at least used uh, people on Kickstarter have used the, the announcement of Game Pass and PlayStation Plus uh, inclusion that to get refunds for that stuff. So that's at least one way they've been able to get out of it. But yeah, very much has been like, oh, I guess I definitely won't be buying this to not support that kind of stuff, especially when they're not, you know, speaking about it at all, trying to keep quiet on it. So yeah, that's, uh, so it's like, okay, well, I could check it out on one of these services and not have to support them directly. So that's at least a bonus. But if I'm going to play one of these indie RPGs that's, uh, people have been talking a lot about. I would probably go back to Chain Echoes. Mm. Yeah, because that game's really good. <laughs> yeah, I put a few hours into that and haven't gone back to it. But it's like, well, if I want to play one of these, I should probably just go back to that if I really want to invest time into any of these. Mm. So, yeah, maybe I'll just check out the demo and see how it is. Mm. Uh, maybe start the at least the first few hours, sort of see how that goes. But yeah, we'll see. Well, yeah, there you go. You can check it out on the the services you want, but it's out on everything August 29th, so mm-hmm. you can get it wherever you want. Hey, I haven't actually opened the article yet, but I think you know the question I'm going to ask about the demo, Chris. Oh, I have no idea. You have no idea? <laughs> no, they don't talk about it, That I don't okay. think so. Gotcha. Yeah, they say it's it does not represent the final product, so I'm assuming that means it's not transferable to the the, the full game. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. 
but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting announcement. You know, um, I don't think there's ever been a time where a game was announced for both um, Xbox Game Pass Day 1 as well as PS Plus Extra Day 1. Um, yeah. So you know, that means like the only direct money this, this, this um, game will make will be from uh, Switch and PC. And obviously those who decide to buy it on either PlayStation or Xbox. But yeah, um, it just goes to show how much faith uh, the first parties have in this game. And that's good to see, especially for a JRPG. You know, like, mm. uh, we always talk about the renaissance, about, like, just this genre in general. And, yeah, it's a good time to be an RPG fan. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm curious to see how things go with this. So, uh, especially with the controversy about the, the influences to the writing of the previous game uh, that would which also ties into this one because they're technically in the same universe. So very far apart in timeline, I believe. So, but yeah, there you go yeah. for that. I've never actually been the messenger either. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it ties in. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, also for August 29th, PlayStation VR two is getting another big shooter, uh, crossfire Sierra squad. Yep. Uh, another game in that franchise that nobody here in the West has any idea what it is, mm-hmm. uh, even with one of them releasing over here on yeah. Xbox. Uh, still, nobody really checked it out, I don't believe. Mm. So, uh, and that one got delisted pretty quickly. Yep. So, that's a fun thing. But this looks like very much kind of the, the big bombastic Call of Duty style first person shooter that you might want on a PlayStation VR 2 headset kind of thing. It'll also be on PC as well for uh, those headsets on Steam. Uh, August 29th, $29.99. Uh, so that's neat to see kind of coming close from uh, Firewall Ultra, which will be out the 24th. So that's more of a Rainbow Six Siege style of uh, first-person shooter kind of thing. So a bit of a different vibe to it. And all that, so yeah, that's uh, that's uh, neat. I don't know, if I'll get this one, I might get Firewall, but we'll see. But there you go, you can check that one out if you're on PlayStation VR 2 or PC VR. And then, happening a few weeks later, the latest Niantic game, maybe the last one, uh, for a while, as they are kind of a uh, trying to cool down on making new games. Uh, Monster Hunter Now uh, will not be launching now. It'll be launching in September, September 14th. Uh, you can pre-register now on your mobile service of choice, iOS, Android. Uh, they had a little showcase to talk about it and all that, and they have bonuses for how many people sign up for it and all that kind of stuff. So you can get in on that. Uh, they'll have a bunch of... Monsters here they announced for the launch, which are a lot of the the big ones that you would expect. Uh, A bunch of different weapons you have access to. And so, yeah. That looks neat. Um, Don't know that I'll check it out, but hopefully the people that do enjoy it. So there you go for that, for some Niantic fun. Uh, Some more Monster Hunters stuff. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, But yeah, uh, let's get to uh, some far-off news. Uh, The Final Fantasy XIV Fan Fest event that happened here uh, a few days ago in Vegas. 
they had a big thing announced their new expansion, which is called has the most benign expansion name of them all, Dawn Trail. Uh, which is like okay, you had a lot more amazing and wild titles, but this one's like okay, Dawn Trial, okay, whatever. Uh, but along with that, they announced that it is finally coming to Xbox, uh, particularly Xbox Series X and S. This is something they've been talking about doing for about 10 years at this point. Um, I think they've been talking about wanting to get it on Xbox since about 2012, 2013. And the issues there were very much kind of steeped in the the complications that gold had at that time xbox live gold uh where i think for mmos like this paid mmos you would have to have uh some sort of exclusive servers for people to play on uh which for an mmo that is cross-platform with pc and ps4 at the time uh this was not something they wanted to do uh and especially like microsoft also wanted them to require gold which they also didn't want to do um, you know, you didn't require PlayStation Plus to play it on PS4. Uh, so it was something like those kind of issues were a big deal. And I think it's probably uh, potentially having something to do with the uh, the recent sort of uh, shutdown of Xbox Live Gold and turning it into a Game Pass service of sorts that helps that out a lot. Uh, to make that less of an issue as they had at that time with things like cross-play and uh, multiplayer servers need to have you know an option for people on Xbox to play uh, with Xbox people, which, yeah, for MMOs, you typically want to have everybody together so that you know, there's less of a chance of uh, there being nobody on at any point. So it seems like that's is something that they kind of kept talking about here and there, but uh, finally kind of broke through sometime recently. So they've said that they will be uh, getting it out sometime next year, early next year. Um, they are uh, planning to get it out, I think, after the, the next big update, the 6.5 update. Uh, they will have... Um, I think some sort of beta at some point after 6.5 for people to check out. And then the, the full thing will be out probably with Dawn trial next year. Uh, maybe it'll be like the summertime for that, but yeah, there you go. Finally, people will be able to uh, check that out on an Xbox. Yeah. And far, far, far as I'm concerned, if you're looking into an, in an MMORPG, you really can't do better. <laughs> um, like Final Fantasy fourteen has basically all of the things that frankly just make it better than like World of Warcraft. You know, it's not near the community isn't near toxic. It just frankly the 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 gameplay is more entertaining. And if you're one of those people who just doesn't want to communicate with other people, uh, when you're playing in an MMORPG, uh. Final Fantasy XIV is perfect for that because you can literally go into one of those dungeons with other players and not have to talk to a single person. So, yeah, they have said they are planning for Dawn Trial or one of the the updates preceding it that mm-hmm. they're going to make it 
easy to play through the entire game up to uh, maybe the second or third expansion solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they say, let's see. Yeah, duty support system lets you play solo with AI-controlled NPCs and like dungeons and such. Uh, but by the time this comes to Xbox, uh, the feature will enable players to complete everything from the start of the game up through its most recent Endwalker expansion without ever needing to interact with another human being. Mm. Uh, yep. So that's good to see. I think they've mm-hmm. also said that they are going to uh, update their free trial yep. uh, so that you can play through the second expansion yeah. uh, for free. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that'll be good news there, though that stuff is all hampered by uh, the archaic uh, Square Enix account system that they have underneath all of this. Because uh, I technically own the game on my accounts from the, the PS3, PS4 versions and all that. So, But even if I'm not ex- you know subscribing to it, I can't play the trial uh, in any way. Um, and they do not give you like a free month with uh, the purchase of the expansion. So that's also another thing. It's like, oh, this is a little bit weird. But um, yeah, it's kind of whole thing it's, it feels like it's uh has its roots back in when final fantasy 11 launched uh in the the online system they had for that uh it even looks like it when you go on the website to manage the stuff with final fantasy 14 that it's like oh this hasn't changed in almost 20 years yep. uh to the feel of it so it's like oh this is like the one negative thing is like managing that account system is uh very frustrating and it's you know not easily changed in any way so yeah uh the one thing that could maybe undermine this is microsoft buying activision and finding a means of getting world of warcraft on uh xbox before this happens and probably just being a a real thorn in their side as they get to the consoles where wow is never going to or was never going to get to but there's been talks of that happening at some point but Either way, uh, that'll be a thing. So, And part of this uh, this whole event here, Phil Spencer showed up to talk about the you know getting the, the Xbox version finally confirmed um, because that's what he likes to do, is to be out there for that stuff. But also they had uh, a little speech here about... Um, the notion that uh, Square Enix is going to do more to promise better support for Xbox platforms going forward uh, after the Final Fantasy XIV launches uh, so that they are less uh, of the forgotten platform when Square Enix releases stuff on multiple platforms uh, where they've had you know, Theater Rhythm released just on Switch and PS4 and PC. Um, a lot of their games end up uh, going just switching PlayStation uh, and PC and never going to Xbox and that kind of stuff. So I guess this is something to finally address that. Either they sign some sort of deal of so, uh, you know of support to get that out of them in exchange for I don't know financial rewards or getting on getting some of that stuff on Game Pass. I don't know what the the hook is there, but. That's a whole weird thing, especially 
encapsulating in this weird like handshake the 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 three people that were on stage were uh doing together with uh Naoki Yoshida, the new Square Enix CEO and Phil Spencer yeah. kind of doing this whole weird thing. Mm-hmm. It's like okay. You didn't have to be weird about it, but okay. Yeah. But hey, that's what CEOs do. They're weird. Because they don't really do anything. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, to some uh, unfortunate news, Eden Chronicle 100 Heroes yeah. uh, was supposed to be out this year, but they have announced in their uh, latest Kickstarter updates that they are delaying the game until quarter uh second quarter of 2024. So that'd be like next spring at the earliest Mm -hmm. uh, for that. So yeah, that's uh, a little disappointing, but the fact that, you know, we haven't heard anything about this game really at all this year kind of suggests that this was in, you know, inevitable that if they were coming out this year, they probably would have announced the date by now. But yeah, they've also published a three minute gameplay video on their Kickstarter page. Uh, so you can check that out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. There you go. A little disappointing, but whatever it takes to get that game out mm. in as good a fashion as it can be. So, yeah. There you go. Mm. Right. Uh, but let's see. Some good news. Sony yeah. has announced that the PS5 has surpassed 40 million in sales. Yeah, and this is the first year I can say I own one. <laughs> yeah, and have for a while now. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot easier to get them now. I will say that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I have seen some in a store. Yeah, uh, they were sitting out. I think before they locked them up because you know they're five hundred bucks still. They oh don't yeah, want them sitting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not proper... seen any of the store yet, but I've seen a whole bunch of those Costco cards that you can just redeem for at the cage, but. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen cardboard cards being like, hey, you should get a PlayStation. Mm. I've actually seen the physical boxes where they were at. Uh, And to be fair, I don't go looking for them. It's not a thing I need. So I haven't necessarily like hunted for them. It's just the first time it happened to be in place. I was like, oh, that's those are PS5 boxes. I've not seen one of those physically. Yeah, I got mine. So let me tell you something. Those boxes are shockingly fragile. <laughs> like I, there, I've seen because I and I can attest to this, but just me and I've seen so many other people online talking about how, yeah, I opened this box up for the first time and I damn near tore the thing in half. <laughs> yeah, there's like a very thin outer cover. Yeah, it's very very thin membrane, and then. The actual cardboard it's made out of is not strong at all. Like, yeah, it's like the, it's like the stuff that you know, it's 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 literally thinner than like the cardboard they wrap around a book that you order from Amazon. It's that fragile. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think it's supposed to be something you keep. Yeah, they, they you might they might as well have shipped the thing in a paper bag. It's that thin. Yeah, it's not really something you're supposed to keep. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of designed that way. So the box, the actual box that it is sitting in, is the the thing that you would, you know, potentially put it back in if you're, you know, going to move or travel or whatever. Supposedly. Um, yeah. Like PlayStation VR two comes in a similar thing where there's a sort of a fragile, not fragile. It's just a 
uh, a paper box around it that there's a proper one that you can store it in when you're not using it kind of thing. And it's like, okay, this makes sense, especially for sustainable packaging. Mm-hmm. There's just, this is a cardboard box and you have to figure out how to put the, the styrofoam on it to make it fit back in and not just flop around uh, that console boxes used to be. But yeah, they, they announced that they've hit 40 million in under three years, uh, which is a big accomplishment considering how hard those were to manufacture and get out there for the first year or two uh, for that system. So they have hit a pretty good milestone there. Mm-hmm. Um, potentially could hit 50 by next year. So they are moving at a good pace. Mm-hmm. Um, they put out this little graphic about the top PS5 games is voted by the PlayStation community, which has a pretty good variety of stuff on here. There's a lot of uh, indie stuff like Bug Snacks, Death Store, Call mm-hmm. to the Lamb, Ball Guys, you know, Humanity Inscription, uh, Skater XL on here for some reason, Worms, Rumble, Stray, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge, Sifu, uh, a lot of stuff like that. So. If you haven't checked any of those games out, that's definitely worth uh, checking those out. They're oh yeah, they're on that list for a reason. So yeah, that's uh, some good news there. And then for our daily or weekly dose of capitalism, uh, Tencent has purchased a majority stake in Techland, makers of Dying Light and Dead Island, among other things. Uh, I don't believe they put. Pu- purchased all of the stock. I think they just purchased like a 60% share of things. So effectively they run things, but uh, they are going to potentially let Techland kind of keep doing what they're doing just with more financial stability to them. Uh, So that's the way that Techland is framing it. So uh, there you go. The Polish company now owned by a Chinese conglomerate. A huge company there with uh, lots of individual studios and bigger studios that they own uh, throughout the gaming world. Uh, So, yeah, there you go for that. And, uh, yeah, let's get to the China Hero Project. Uh, It's an interesting showcase they do every year, sort of showcasing some of the new uh, games coming out of their partnerships with uh, studios across China. Mm -hmm. Uh, this first one here comes from Pathia Games, who you might know as the makers of My Time at Sandrock. Mm-hmm. Uh, more recently, I heard their first game is also My Time at uh, something, whatever the name was. But they made those kind of survival games mm-hmm. uh, that are pretty cool. This one doesn't seem like it's going to be like that at all. It's an open world action RPG called The mm-hmm. God Slayer. Yeah, and they're saying it'll launch in 2027, and that's that should be illegal to say mm-hmm. that year that you're releasing a thing and yeah in that time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they describe it here: see an open world action RPG featuring a highly immersive gameplay system and story experience, allowing players to enhance their abilities through battles and world exploration, with the ultimate goal of defeating enemies and saving the world. So. Mm-hmm. Nothing really unique there, but uh, the the screenshots they have here all look really, really good. Definitely a lot different than the stuff they've been working on uh, in the past. Um, 
it has a really nice style and look to it uh, from what they've shown so far. So yeah, there's one of those. Okay. It looks neat. Uh, the next one here comes from Tie Games, T Games. I don't know how the, to pronounce that, but they're the studio behind a Fist, Forged and Shadow Torch. Yep, which was a good, uh, very solid Metroidvania type game. Yeah, with a really nice art style to it. Uh, this seems to be a pretty different thing. They're also making an action RPG called The Wind Rising uh, for the PS5. Uh, yeah, that's. Let's see. Story-driven action RPG follows the journey of a girl from a peaceful village who embarks on a grand adventure after she encounters a lost monster cub, which affects the rise and fall of the entire kingdom. Her fate is in the player's hands. Uh, Yeah, so it has a a little announced trailer there. You can look through and see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really nice art style to it. Not to be confused with uh, Studio Ghibli's The Wind Rises. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, this has a, a nice looking style to it, so that's neat. No time time frame for release, probably in a few years. Uh, the next one here, also an action RPG called Daba Land of Water Scar from Dark Star, which is the developer behind Sinner's Sacrifice for Redemption, uh, which I think was a Souls Souls like so. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one looks like it's a little bit different there. Um, tells the story of a humanoid clay puppet. Yeah, this has a really nice art style if you look in the announced trailer and the uh, that stuff. Uh, let's see. When the world is on the verge of collapse, the puppet traces the whereabouts of the water fragments within the ancient city. And throughout their journey of defeating enemies and seeking answers, unravels the story of the world and oneself. The game features various landscapes, including abandoned ruins, magnificent ancient city, gloomy prison... Best Rift Valley, expansive snowfield, daily forest, and a floating city. Nonlinear levels are interconnected, distinct, and intricate, so I think it is a bit of a Souls-like. Just from the way they describe that, that the, the levels are interconnected. So we'll see more of that at some point. That's, uh, again, no date for that, so there you go. And the last one here is one that's been talked about for a little bit, Excel Edge. Uh, that is... Uh, a high-speed third-person shooter action game. Uh, but this one is uh, coming from Enigmatrix. Enigmatrix. Mm-hmm. That I think is their first studio, or their first game mm-hmm. uh, for this. But yeah, that is uh, been shown off. Got some gameplay for this. Looks really nice. Uh, I think this one will probably be coming out a bit sooner, maybe next year. Who knows, but they don't have a date for it. But yeah, they describe it as a next-generation high-speed third-person shooting game uh, made in Unreal Engine, integrating shooting elements and action elements into a new form of combat gameplay. Yeah, kind of, it definitely looks uh, unique in the way it's set up. So, yeah, there's some gameplay there for you to check out. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it for the China Hero Project Showcase. Uh, the list of games they were having for this showcase had a lot of stuff that... It's just Western games or Japanese games that hadn't released over there yet. So it's a lot of stuff like that. So yeah, some new games to keep an eye on mm-hmm. for the future. So yeah, that is a, uh, that is going to do it for this week's show. Yeah. Uh, so thank you all for tuning in and thank you to Brandon and Danner for joining. Always. Uh, no worries. We'll back. And yeah, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news and a new month. 
mm-hmm. uh, with some new stuff to talk about as uh, uh, summer continues on to mm-hmm. boil us alive. Yep. Although I looked at the uh, I looked at the um, the 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 forecast for this in the coming week and. Like, it's still in the 90s, but it's not quite as high as it was, you know, the last couple weeks. So... Yeah. Well, yeah. That's uh, that's the fun part of summer now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, If you enjoy the show, if you let friends and family know, they should check it out and select strangers that uh, hopefully are also enduring the extreme heat just fine. Yep. Uh, Just make sure everybody has plenty of water. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back next week with uh, a new slate of news and games to talk about. We'll see you all next time. Have a good one.